you know, at the end of the day, football is football. All Patriots, all, all the time. Ooh, that, that's spicy. All Patriots, all, all the time. Welcome to, 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 to First and Foxborough. All right, happy Friday, Foxborough faithful and football fans. I'm Kyrie Thompson, back with another episode of First and Foxborough, your favorite daily Patriots football podcast. All right, we got one week of this show on the books, and uh, they haven't canceled it yet, so uh, yes, that's a win. I'll take that as a win. Follow me at KDThompson5 on Twitter, at KyrieDT on Instagram, and follow the show accounts at First and Foxborough, F-O-X-B-O-R-O on Twitter and Instagram. Download, stream on the Odyssey app, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's have some Friday fun. I want to get right into a topic that's been on my mind a lot lately when it comes to the New England Patriots, and is definitely going to be a big point of discussion about this team, especially the Patriots' offense, right? I mean, the defense is a whole other thing. Uh, I've talked a couple of times about how they've got a couple of position groups that worry me, but because of you know Mac Jones and the circumstances he's facing on the offensive side of the football, that storyline has been a really prevalent one. So look, one thing that I found really fascinating about how people are discussing the Patriots offense in particular is how people feel about the group of pass catchers around Mac Jones going into his second year. And in particular, I feel like I've heard a lot specifically about the fact that this team doesn't have a number one alpha receiver, right? There's no Jamar Chase or Stephon Diggs or Tyreek Hill. And that guy that's clearly, that's the best receiver on the team, a top flight guy in the NFL. Instead, the Patriots have a lot of a lot of good options, a lot of balance, a lot of depth, but not necessarily any just straight up elite star power, right? Yeah, that's true. That is true. But it seems like when people look at this group of receivers, Versus other receiver groups that do have a number one, you know, top 10 type receiver, even if those other receiving cores aren't necessarily better in the aggregate, right? But just having that number one guy and then having, you know, maybe another good option, then when people compare that to what the New England Patriots have, this perception of the team feels like it lowers even more. Like suddenly people are like, well, the Patriots' skill players are terrible. It's not a good group. How can Mac Jones possibly succeed with that? This offense going to regress. You know, they didn't do enough to add to it. Devontae Parker doesn't move the needle, et cetera, et cetera. And, and look, in the end, like, th- those last couple of things in particular might be true. The offense might regress this year, and Devontae Parker might not move the needle, especially if he doesn't stay on the football field because health has been his biggest issue. Look, to, to be clear about it, I don't expect the Patriots passing offense to look like it did in 2007 when Tom Brady threw 50 touchdown passes or you know, 2012 when they when they were leading the league in basically every offensive category. But I also think the offense isn't necessarily destined to be as bad or as frustrating as people might be worried about. I mean, obviously, there, there are going to be ups and downs. There always are. And again, without having, you know, maybe that elite transcendent talent, perhaps there are going to be times where the offense is going to have to try to figure some things out. It's true. At least I'm talking specifically about the passing offense, because I do expect the run game to still remain pretty good. And with that in mind, I do want to stick with the receiving core here. And I want to point out something that Jacoby Myers said 
at the end of minicamp about this receiver group, the additions that have been made, and in a way kind of hinting at some of this perception of what this Patriots receiving core is and is not. I mean, I've only been in the league for so long, but what I've noticed with two different things, like typically when there's guys who are way above everybody else and then there's guys all the way at the bottom and there's a big skill gap, I don't feel like the room necessarily does too well. But when there's a bunch of guys who are who can be great, who can be good, and they all pushing each other to get better, it's just no area to really slack off. Once again, that was Jacoby Myers. I believe that was on Thursday, which would have been the last day of minicamp. And in the end, that practice was canceled. They still had media availability. And then in the end, that was the last spring practice that they had. So we haven't seen or heard from the Patriots really since then. But look, so aside from Myers just kind of sticking up for his own guys and sticking up for himself and just saying like, look, we're not as bad as you think we are. I mean, that's not necessarily like, he's not addressing that directly, but I mean, I think the implication is kind of there. Like, look, okay, just because one team has a top flight receiver doesn't mean they have a better receiving core than we do. And I think that that, that's a perfectly valid point. But look, there's another reason to bring that up in regards to this team in particular. About a week ago, a couple of stats guys at Pro Football Focus did this kind of like preliminary study looking at how closely quarterback decision-making tracks with efficiency and production is measured by estimated points added per play or EPA per play. You might be more familiar with seeing it that way. And one of the it's one of the new wave stats out there for measuring how good quarterbacks and offenses are. Like basically, it's like a like a play-to-play version of wins above replacement, you know, or war. You know, you see that stat in baseball, you know, football, a little bit of basketball as well in kind of varying degrees, right? And not surprisingly, right, they found that quarterbacks who who throw to the right guys based on things like, you know, the route, the receiver's separation, the matchup, the game situation, the probability that, you know, the pass will be completed, essentially, guys who make the right choices consistently add more points per play to their offense. What a shocker, right? You know, just, just mind-blowing stuff. How does that relate to the Patriots and their receivers? I'm going to bring in some audio I got from a conversation I had with one of the best Patriots X's and O's guys out there, if not the best one, Evan Lazar of CLNS Media. Now, look, I do my research on the strategy element of football. I watch the All-22. You know, I pride myself on you know being able to recognize some coverages and patterns and all that. Like, oh yeah, they ran this play in this situation before, and look, they did it again right here. Like, or they they you know built this play off of a previous concept. Like, I I love to be able to identify those things, right? But I mean, I'm still learning. And one of the best places to learn a thing about football when you're out in Foxborough hanging out at Gillette Stadium, outside of just going to talk to a player or coach on the field, is to be in Evan's general vicinity when he's watching practice and either just like listen and kind of eavesdrop the way that I do sometimes on his conversations or just or talk about what you're seeing with him. Look, the guys, he's the goods for sure. Now. Because there were some audio problems on my end of this conversation, I mean, I recorded it with the idea of like, oh yeah, let, let's uh, you know put the conversation out there just like I've done with a bunch of other guys, but there were some audio problems on my end, I so I didn't post the whole conversation the way I normally would, unless you want it to sound like 
I'm screaming at you through a walkie-talkie. Like, I was really blowing the woofers and tweeters on this one. But you can hear Evan just fine. So here's what he said in breaking down the Patriots receiving core and how this whole thing could work. Having really good secondary pass catching options, like second and third receivers is really important because most good defensive coordinators can take out a number one option with a good game plan. Right. And we know that first and foremost with Bill Belichick, it's, Stefan Gilmore or Darrell Revis taking a number one guy or it's doubling a number one guy out of the game or you put safety help over Tyree Kill and he's not the same guy as he is when he sees single coverage. So you can game plan guys like that out. So when you do and you do play a team like Buffalo and you take Stefan Diggs out of the game with game plan, well, what can the Bills do to beat you? other than throw to Stefan Diggs. And I think the Patriots have that in mind and that, okay, we're not going to pay an alpha like the rest of the league. We're not going to pay a top dog because they're getting 25 plus million dollars a year. And instead we're going to spread that money out one through six or one through five in the wide receiving room. And we're going to have a lot of different mouths that we can feed. And if you're going to take away Devontae Parker or you're going to take away the middle of the field, then we're going to be able to throw the ball outside the numbers. We're going to be able to throw the ball inside the numbers. We're going to be able to go deep. We're going to be able to go short. And they have a lot of different skill sets in that group. You mentioned Parker. He's got the size. He's got the contested catch ability. And you mentioned a guy like Aguilar, Tyquan Thornton, who's got the speed and can get up the field. And then Myers and Bourne can work the middle and work the underneath and short and intermediate routes. So there's a lot of different options in that room. And I, I kind of like the mix and match approach that they're taking. And again, that's Evan Lazar of CLNS Media. And you are listening to the first and Foxborough podcast. So I want to bring up a key point that Evan made that sunk in even more yesterday as I was just randomly thinking about it, as I was thinking about putting this whole thing together. So look, we all know Bill Belichick has been the master for years at taking away an opponent's best player or biggest strength, whether that was stopping the run, throwing pressure at a quarterback, or like specifically like, look, we're going to gear up to stop one receiver or tight end, take them out of the game, right? You've seen those videos of Belichick walking up to, to Chad Johnson back in the day and being like, look, man, you're not getting anything today. Like I'm throwing safety help on you. I'm double teaming you. That's it. You know, you got nothing. That That's what he does. And, and granted, it's a little bit tougher nowadays sometimes to take away certain players because schemes you know players are becoming more versatile and offensive coordinators the good ones anyway are finding ways to still get their guys you know free releases or favorable matchups so it it, it has become more of a challenge but again that's the kind of thing that bill belichick has always been really good at he's always forced teams to go to their second and third options and make them beat his defenses that way. And from there, it's just like, look, you know, we will make that other person beat us and we just got it. We just got to execute. We got to tackle. We got to make plays. And more often than not, over the last 20 odd years, that has worked out pretty well for the Patriots. Now it's worth pointing out that for a long time, Belichick had a number one weapon of some kind himself, whether that was a Dion Branch or Randy Moss or Rob Gronkowski. He wasn't a receiver, but again, as far as tight ends go, there wasn't a better one possibly ever, right, in football. So you have to count him, even if he's not a, a receiver, right, 
that's still the guy that everybody is circling when they're game planning. Number 87. And you can also throw Julian Edelman to a lesser extent in there as well. So look, right now, the Patriots don't have a player like that. But in the mind of a Bill Belichick, maybe that's not an enormous problem when you think about how he has approached defense for so long and, and stopping opposing offenses. So it's like, if you think about it from, from this perspective, in lieu of having a number one guy, having an elite receiver, like everybody wanted them to go and spend big money for one or trade for one, right? And I mean, just financially, this just doesn't seem like the year that that is going to work. Next year might be something different, but I feel like, again, when the Patriots have all that cap space, we'll see how they operate, and if they decide to stick more this route, or if they do try to throw a little bit more money at an elite pass catcher. But kind of back to the matter at hand here, if you don't have one elite talent and a bunch of other solid guys behind him, isn't it better to have a bunch of solid pass catchers, some of whom are are good to above average and then you know have you know solid guys right to have to stock up on depth and have a more solid level of talent all around because if you're looking at it from a defensive coach's standpoint who do you take away now there are two ways to think about that question right if you don't have that one number one player that attracts all this attention and makes things easier right how, how can you then open up things for everybody else. And, and Evan brought this up too. You're saying like, look, does this mean that some guys are going to be punching up and, you know, some guys are going to be asked to function more like a number one or a number two. And really they're actually more like, you know, a, a, a second or third or fourth receiver, right? Like is, is that going to become a problem? And I feel like that that's a legitimate thing to wonder about. And we're really not going to know until the games start. But the other way you could think about this is who do teams take away? Devonte Parker, who's now your your big bodied guy on the outside, do you want to throw um, you know a little uh, some more resources there? Kendrick Bourne, who quietly was one of the best big play receivers in football last year, and who caught like everything thrown his way. Jacoby Myers, who was one of the most prolific third down receivers in the league, and. Mac Jones targeted him 126 times. They obviously have a good rapport. Hunter Henry, who had a big year in the red zone, and he came on later in the year as teams started to key on Myers a bit. Or do you say, you know what? We're just going to leave them all one-on-one -on -one because we're not afraid of any of them and basically say, you know what? We just want to see if you can beat us one-on-one. -on -one. But then from a defensive standpoint, if you don't have a bunch of number one lockdown cornerbacks or linebackers or safety handling all these guys, then at some point, having just good players all the way around, that means there's going to be somebody open at some point. There's going to be a matchup problem. It's, it's interesting to think of it in those terms where maybe it's harder to key on one person when everybody is good and can win a matchup, even if none of them are elite. If you look at last season, and actually on that article that I referenced from the Pro Football Focus guys, Mac Jones was already 11th in estimated points per play among all quarterbacks last year. He was just behind Josh Allen, actually. And he was already one of the better decision makers in the game as a rookie, right? And yes, some of that was like, okay, don't make mistakes. Just find the open guy, matriculate the ball down the field. And you didn't see a lot of really big plays necessarily but but again like that still put the Patriots in position to win and so then if you add a little bit more to that 
and you add some more big plays and shot potential to the mix because there were some times where Mac Jones passed up bigger plays in order to take the sure thing. And then if you actually now take some of those opportunities where you do have an open guy, you can hit some of those shot plays. How much more does the productivity of this offense go up? I feel like that there there is reason to think optimistically about this if Mac Jones continues to play smart while pushing things a bit more. Of course, like, look, I, I don't want anybody to get it twisted here and think like, oh, that means you don't need elite talent at receiver and, and you should just like never try to get that. Of course, things would be so much easier if the Patriots did have a Rob Gronkowski or a boss or a Jamar Chase. Like, of course it would. And of course, everybody should want that. And next year, again, it would be great to see the Patriots use some of this cap space on a very good to elite wide receiver next year when they come available. And it's also worth noting that Josh Allen didn't get his elite receiver, Stefan Diggs, and get that receiving core retooled until his third year. In Josh Allen's second year, his receivers were like John Brown and Cole Beasley, right? Like those those were his top options. They hadn't really gone all in from an offensive standpoint. So if you want to look towards the future a little bit, you could say, okay, look, maybe year three is going to be it just like it was in Buffalo. Bottom line, yes, of course you should want elite talent. Elite talent is awesome. And you know what? Former Patriots assistant Scott Pioli hinted at this earlier in the week that the one thing that Mac Jones needs to do this offseason, I mean, aside from all the other things he needs to do, is really find out who he can depend on. And Pioli talked about the factors that Tom Brady's go-to guys always had. They always had these three qualities, according to him. Versatility, intelligence, and dependability. Note, of course, that nowhere on that list does it say you have to be 6'2", 6'3", 220 pounds to run a 4'3", okay? And you can say that the Patriots already have a couple of guys that fit that bill for Mac Jones. Bourne, Myers, and Henry all were that in varying forms for him last year. That said, it's fair to say that New England needs more than that this year. They need Parker and Aguilar to step up, and they need Jonu Smith to be more useful. But if this group can play together and, and feed off of each other, and Mac Jones can do his part to elevate this group, maybe this offense could be better than you think in 2022. Now, <laughs> the defense, that might be another story, and the effect that that has on the offense, we shall see. That's all for this episode of First and Foxborough. Thanks for hanging in with me this week. Much appreciated. Once again, download, stream, listen to the show on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week.